J.M. and the A.M. Tuesday on this seventh day of Hanukkah and this second day of Rosh Chodesh. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, Dr. David Rossmarin, who joined us uh, just a few days ago from the Center for Anxiety, is with us live via telephone. Dr. Rossmarin is an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, uh, founder, director of the Center for Anxiety. Um, those of you who are um, on the web, centerforanxiety.org centerforanxiety.org. Among the uh, things that are happening there, they have these recurring events with support groups for OCD and other things, uh, the information of which is all available on the website. Uh, but tomorrow there will be a panel discussion, a panel session, and Dr. David Rossmarin is going to be participating in it. Um, there will be a panel discussion on the topic of mental health and the gap year in Israel. It happens 12 noon tomorrow at the Bedford Avenue location in Brooklyn, New York, for the uh, Center for Anxiety. And again, information, centerforanxiety.org. Dr. David Rossmarin, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks very much for having me. Good morning. Uh, we'll talk about tomorrow's event in a minute. Just uh, yesterday's episode got me thinking uh, uh, this tragic and horrific uh, fire in Brooklyn, New York, um, uh, which took the lives of four people, as we know, and the, uh, the ripple effect, or I should say the... Uh, the horror is being felt, uh, not only in Brooklyn, but uh, throughout uh, this area and uh, certainly throughout the entire Jewish world, as one can imagine. And, um, you know, from your professional standpoint, is, is there is there such a thing as we, we always say that there's such a thing as a layperson, I always mention, uh, of collective pain that we all feel when we hear a story like this, certainly collective pain in the Jewish community. Is there such a thing as collective anxiety where it is um, noticeable, as it was for me yesterday, frankly, that people are more anxious about, uh, you know, situations like this since we all light candles and we all, you know, go to sleep at night with our families? Uh, is, it, is it possible to have a collective feeling of increased anxiety because of this uh, episode from yesterday? Yeah, no, there certainly is, um, and I wanted to say I wish I were uh, on the show for better reasons, and my heart goes out to the Zahn family, the entire SY community, and all of Kuala Israel, frankly. But um, to answer your question, there certainly is a collective um, sense um, of uh, greater stress when, when, when difficulties happen, and I, and I want to give the Jewish community credit for being more sensitive to this psychological stress and these concerns. Um, I think that we're doing a good job. There's been a lot of um, discussion about it, um, even on your show yesterday, um, and, and more broadly about what are the psychological responses to this. And I think that our community is, is, um, is strong in that regard. Um, at the same time, though, I think it's important to keep the science in mind. And, you know, sometimes the, the question, obviously, is what do we do about it? And sometimes people have very well-intentioned approaches, and they don't help. Um, and sometimes they even cause more harm. Um, there's a classic example of this in the literature, the scientific literature, that is, um, called Critical Incident Stress Debriefing. The acronym for that is CISD. So back in the 90s, they thought this was a good idea to have facilitated small group crisis intervention processes, and those were provided between 24 and 72 hours after a tragedy. And they were, you know, sensible, at least on the outset. You know, you had an overview of the facts, what happened, and then we would gather groups of people together to speak about the event, to speak about the experiences. Are they having symptoms? Are they feeling anxious like you just you know, said yourself? And then providing them with information about common psychological reactions. Now, let me just ask you, you know, do you think that sounds like a reasonable approach? Uh, to, to me it does, yeah. 
right? It sounds like a very reasonable approach, and that's why it was used internationally. And it was very popular in the 1990s, like I mentioned, until data started pouring in from all across the world showing two things. One, it was ineffective. It was not reducing um, incidence or severity of post-traumatic reactions. Um, and in fact, even more disconcerting is that for some people, it actually made things a lot worse. And um, the reality is that 7.8% of Americans will have PTSD at some point in their life, post-traumatic stress disorder. That's a full-blown reaction. I, I imagine a considerable amount more than what you or a lot of other periods. What, what, per, what, percent, what percent did you say? 7.8% total. Oh, 7.8, okay. Yeah, that's average. And women are twice as likely as men, though. So women are in the 10 range, and men are in the 5 to 6 range. Um. What's really interesting, though, is that between 8 and 10 times that a number of people, in other words, 75-plus percent of people, will have some sort of traumatic event over their lifespan. That's kind of scary to think about. But most people at some point will have some experience where they either are threatened themselves or hear about somebody being threatened or see something which is really traumatic in their in their lives. So what that means is that 90% of people who have those experiences don't develop PTSD. Right. The overwhelming number of people do not go on to need professional services. They might be jittery for a couple of days. They might, you know, be a little bit worried, but we're not talking about something that needs and warrants an actual intervention. You, you sort of remind me of those who, uh, and again, not doctors, but those who are experienced in these matters, uh, sometimes say we all have a choice of how we want to react to something. And, That's and, 100% and, correct. And for the most part, right, you'd say for the most part, obviously there's, you know, in, in certain cases, uh, it, you know, certain reactions might be unpreventable, frankly. Um, you know, those may be you know, most directly affected by uh, by you know traumatic episodes, I don't know. I mean, that's a <laughs> you'd know more than I would about this. Uh, but a hundred percent, right? But I guess we, but it, we guess we in general have an ability. So I, so sometimes, and again, I got to be very careful about this because I, you know, I, I, as far as we're concerned, you know, there's 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 validity, validity, or at least it sounds like there is, you know, to to every point of view, at least in this forum. Let's put it that way. Um, so so one might suggest that the more attention on the you know, outer concentric circles. Let's argue that for a moment, because uh, it's probably easier to make the argument uh, of of episodes. <clears throat> One might argue that the more attention you bring to it, the more you might move someone psychologically into uh, th- that arena of I don't know, you know, de- depression. Not using the word clinically, but depression or sadness or trauma, etc. Does that sort of make sense? It is possible for some people. I I wouldn't say that. You know, uh, it's it's a huge risk, but there is a, a, a risk for some individuals. And as a community, I, again, I think it's important that, and it's great that we're sensitive to psychological stress, but being overly, um, you know, creating uh, interventions that aren't supported by science is not a good idea. I will tell you what we should do, though, if you like. Sure. Okay, so, for example, let's, let's talk about kids, because that's where a lot of the sensitivity is. How do you speak to your kids about this? So the first step is really to find out what your kid knows and, and ask them. Um, no, well, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to ask them, but you can, you can say, did you hear about what happened? But l- let them bring it up. If they bring it up, 
ask them, what did you hear? You know, and, and just find out where they're holding. Let them be the ones, as opposed to providing the facts, and this is what happened, and having a whole sit-down meeting with your family or with your class or, you know, I guess depend, that depends somewhat on how close you are. You know, people, obviously, uh, you know, friends and family of, of the Azans and, and the, the, their schools, their kids' schools and whatnot is a little bit different. But like you said, a little bit out of the concentric circle and right. not much, frankly. Find out what the kid knows. And keeping it child-directed, let them, you know, let them be the ones being inquisitive about it. Um, it's important to respond to their questions when they ask. Keep it simple, though, and age-appropriate. Don't, don't provide uh, too much detail or, or use language that's beyond them. Um, it's also important to focus on safety. Yes, this is an, a, a, a horrific tragedy. It could happen to anybody, and it's scary to think about. Like you said, we all have Hanukkah candles, and they're all right. burning. But it's important to emphasize, especially for kids, that this is very rare. How many people lit Naros this, this, this right. year? Right. And how many times did this happen in mm-hmm. the last 10 years, in the last 100 years? You know, it's these are rare. The reason why they're tragic events is because they're so rare in some ways. Dr. David Ross Marin is with us. Centerforanxiety.org is the website. All right, so so now, practically speaking, someone walks into your office today who had nothing to do with the episode, right? They were just watching the news, and they feel sensitive about it because they, too, are in the same type of community, and they, too, have children, and they, you know, too, are, you know, horrified by what what has occurred. So, and I'm sure this happens very often where based on, again, a traumatic episode or or a personal encounter, someone will walk into your office and say, okay, I'm feeling this terrible anxiety. I can't sleep at night. I can't, you know, all the, I'm, I'm, I'm symptomatic in the following manner. I, wouldn't you and your staff take action to try to help that person? In the two days post an event, we would actually do something called watchful waiting, and we would have a meeting with them. And, you know, if they came in for, a, you know, professional meeting with us, we would, of course, speak to them. We wouldn't turn them away at the door. Right. But we'll do an evaluation. But we're not going to be able to do anything for them until at least 30 days is out, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, wow. That, that, would be, that would be our clinical approach. Uh, um, but the, the intervention, though, is really right now for parents and for teachers and for rabbis and for educators and for Askanim or community leaders. Um, they are the ones who need to know how to you know, speak to children about it and speak to each other about it. Right. Um, and to that end, um, individuals like that are very welcome to call our office. We have our clinicians on standby, and we'll even provide them with a 30-minute free discussion about focused on how to implement these strategies about speaking to kids. Um, they can call the office number. Um, they can also email us. I think you have that information. Yeah, the, uh, the office at the Center for Anxiety, 888-837-7473. That's 888-837-7473. Eight three seven seven four seven three. Uh, you could also write info at centerforanxiety.org, info at the centerforanxiety.org. If you look at the website, by the way, you'll see all the variety of events that the Center for Anxiety uh, offers on a regular basis to the community. I remind you, they're located on West 57th Street in New York City. They're located on Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn. They're located on Route 59 up in Suffern, and they have a, um, a, um, a branch up in Belmont, Massachusetts. Tell me about tomorrow, a panel discussion on the at the Bedford Avenue location starting at 12 noon on the topic of mental health and gap year in Israel. Is there any preview you can give me uh, without revealing too many secrets about what's going to be discussed tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be happy to tell you a bit about it. So Dr. Shmuel Harris, 
who is from Jerusalem. He does really fa- fabulous and amazing clinical work at his program, Mahon Devere, in Yerushalayim, and they work um, with a lot of gap year students. Um, so he's coming in for this talk, and so is uh, Rebetzin Mrs. Malky Wallerstein um, from Brooklyn. So she's going to be on our panel, and then myself, and also Dr. Perla Perlstein, who's from our office, from the Center for Anxiety office, that is. She's going to be moderating the panel. Um, and we're talking about a lot of the transitions and issues that can happen when people go to Israel from the United States, or from anywhere, frankly, um, for a year of study, and also what happens when they can come back. Both people who do have pre-existing mental health concerns, or people who develop them when they're there, and also people who do not. Right. Um, and what we can do about that to support those people. And all this starts in March, essentially, because that's when so many students come back for Pesach. So, uh, right, the, right. The, the, the return, even though it's not permanent until later in the year, but the return sort of starts uh, during the month of Nisan, right? That, yeah, it sure does, although there are things that happen throughout the year. Right. That's I'll just quote Rabbi, Rabbi Noah Orlowek for a second. He, uh, he uh, uh, said something like this, Most plane crashes happen during takeoff and during landing. Um, and the point is that transition periods are uh, you know, potentially hazardous. No. Uh, more than when you're actually in flight. So no. this is a transition period, going to Israel and coming back. No and that's question. why we're doing the panel. No question about it. That's why we're so proud about how, the, how we handled our transition here. <laughs> Very right. smoothly, yeah. thank God. All right, Dr. Ross Marin, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Centerforanxiety.org has all the information. And tomorrow in their Brooklyn location, it is the gap year discussion. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We should only share wonderful news and speak about great things in our community. Amen. Thank you so much. And a happy Hanukkah to you, Dr. David Ross Marin, Tuesday morning. It's JM in the AM.